You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Hello, and welcome to this is episode 10. I just realized. Um, having a conversation here with one of my friends. You can actually see him. Um, his name is Jackson. This is my second uh, Zoom call podcast interview. And I apologize. We're trying to figure out this lighting situation and it's just not working because um, Jackson looks great over there. I, on the other hand, look like I'm sitting in a dungeon because I am. I'm sitting in the basement that is now finished because I have a baby on the way. Um, and I actually have Wi-Fi, which is amazing because this is Jackson's and I's. Oh, this is Jackson. I talked about Jackson. Um, Jackson and I tried to, we connected over uh, over LinkedIn, actually, um, which is, hey, the, the purpose of that platform. Um, it's actually doing something. But um, Jackson has a similar heart and mission for um, that I do as far as mental health and just talking about it and spreading the word and, and raising awareness. And he's doing it in a different way than I am, but I, I just want to connect with them and to learn from him. And so we tried to connect about a week ago back in the 200 megabytes per second download days before I uploaded. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I literally, we tried to, she tried to zoom and I, my wifi was so bad that I we it took 30 minutes for us to just decide, hey, let's do this another day. I got on the phone with Xfinity. 10 minutes later, I'm now at 800 megabytes per second. So I can I can do anything. It's great. Um, we are drinking de- different things. I'm drinking um, from my water bottle because nice. um, I am really bad at drinking water. And apparently that's supposed to be good for you. But I can't decide if it's better to... Uh, be hydrated and pee all the time or just be comfortable. Um, Jackson, what are you drinking over there? This is my friend, Jackson. Jackson, you have, uh, you have, I'm going to give you one minute now because I told you 30 seconds, but um, you have to introduce your drink as well. Um, to, to elevator pitch, you have 45 seconds to say, Hey, I am Jackson. This is me. Go. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, well, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you introducing me to your, uh, to your community. Um, but I'm Jackson Stone. Um, I'm drinking a bang. Almost dropped it on my computer, but I'm drinking a bang. Need a little afternoon pick me up. But I, uh, in, in very short terms, I am a professional wrestler. Um, but that's kind of the maybe the coolest. Some people would say the coolest part, but the, maybe the least important part of what I do. Um, I own and operate a, a mental health nonprofit organization called You Are Loved. And then I'm a mental performance coach. So I work with youth athletes on their mental skills. Um, and how to prepare themselves for being in pressure situations, setbacks, failures, how to be more resilient. Um, and so I'm heavily involved in the, the human development space, the mental health space, and uh, and the content creation space. So that's, in a nutshell, kind of what I am. But I'm sure we'll get into further detail about all those things as we go. Yeah, and I'm excited to. I will have uh, all of Jackson's social media stuff in the show notes uh, down below, uh, as you're listening to this, uh, Jackson, you live in Austin, yeah? in Dallas, 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 go Cowboys, but he's not a Cowboys fan. I've already <laughs> asked. Um, 
So you live in Dallas. You have a girlfriend. Um, and what else? What else? Uh, uh, so what that we talked a lot about what you do um, and who that, that is a big part of who you are. But like, what are some auxiliary fun things like about about Jackson? Um, do you have a dog? Um, I have a family. We have a family dog named Chewy. OK, um, he's been in the family for the last six years. Um, my sister okay. bought him uh, in 2015. OK, um, he's a he's a he's a beautiful animal. He's a very yeah. he's a saving grace of our family, probably. Um, okay. I'm a big sports fan, mostly baseball. I played that in college. Uh, I love coffee. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm drinking a bang, but it's really hot here in Dallas. So I decided to have something cool. Um, okay. And uh, I love to travel. And so um, what is the I coolest place you've been? The coolest place I've been um, probably Israel and Europe. I've been to a few places in Europe, Germany, UK, Ireland, and then Israel was really cool. Cool. Um, Israel is cool because you are, you're Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of history there. I would imagine that um, I, I couldn't imagine that I, I would love to go to Israel. That would be so that would be really cool to go to. Um, it's, it's a magical place, man. Like you can, you can feel the energy and the love and the religion and the spirituality there um, that has such a deep history. Um, I went on like a 10 day uh, birthright trip um, with a group of people. Uh, and then I stayed three days afterwards with my family that lives in Jerusalem. And I happened to be there on Christmas. And so we did a beautiful like guided tour uh, of where Jesus uh, I think was either uh, buried or born. I can't remember, but like all the, like the stuff that surrounds him and um, the the amazing things that he did and the sacrifices he made um, and how like Christmas there is like very kind of a normal day Um, and here, like everything gets shut down. So it feels like more of like a, uh, an inner religious vibe than more of like this superficial gift giving type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me on the outside, you know, I've never celebrated Christmas, so I'm not exactly sure uh, how that goes uh, in terms yeah. of, you know, the family dynamics and all that stuff. But being there kind of was like very, it seemed very special and it was very special. And then being able to have that tour and, and seeing how people cared and, and valued that. And I loved it. So I thought it was a really cool experience for me. That's really cool. So uh, before we jump in, because the next thing I, is I want you to, to tell me your story. Um, I think one cool thing about this episode is that, um, Jackson is Jewish and I am a Christian. Um, and so we have differing views of religion and of the world, but, um, that doesn't change the discussions that we're going to have. And it doesn't change the fact that he has experienced pain and shame or hard things in his life. Um, and so, I'm really excited to have a conversation um, because I think so often, especially right now in the world that we live in, you jump into groups of people that are comfortable, like that you're similar to, uh, whether that be politically or religiously or ethnically. um, And conversations that cross those are kind of rare, um, which I hate. And so I I think it's super cool. Um, Jackson and I are, we're working together in things outside of this podcast. Um, and I think that 
I don't know. I just, I would, I would, I would pray that that things, conversations like this are conversations that you would have in your homes as well. So Jackson, um, go ahead. I mean, we've talked a little bit. It's very, um, open-ended wherever you want to start. Um, tell me your story. All right. I mean, uh, that's definitely a heavy question, a long question as well, but uh, I like that. We're, I like that we're starting there. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, I was born in uh, San Francisco, California uh, in 1992. And then I moved to Dallas, Texas uh, at about 12. Um, and uh, throughout that time, fell in love with the sport of baseball. Um, that was my first love. Um, I had a big sister. Um, family dynamics were really quite amazing. I feel really blessed and lucky to have the people that I grew up with and the family that I grew up with. Um, I got pretty good at baseball, uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so what I was able play? to play what, what position did you play? I played first base, um, played first base then played uh division one, um, baseball at uh, South Dakota state go Jackrabbits. Um, during that time in high school, a little bit before, I also fell in love with professional wrestling. Um, guys like the rock, John Cena, stone cold, uh, and all that culture. I was really into, um, superheroes and theater and sport and like martial arts. And so the combination of all of those things was basically what professional wrestling was. Uh, and it was amazing. That's when I started lifting weights and working out, um, through that, I, I grew a lot of confidence in my body. Um, got good at baseball, um, ended up trying to play professionally at the end of my college career, which is 2014, um, did not succeed at that. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but that was one of the biggest kind of pivots or, uh, what you want to say setbacks. Uh, I don't see it that way now as I've come to realize what it means. Um, but I stopped playing baseball, got right into professional wrestling and, and really took no time in between those two endeavors to, to grieve the loss of baseball and just jumped right into something else without fully identifying um, who I was as a person without either baseball or wrestling. Um, and so that was a, I didn't know then was a difficult transition, but it's become something that I've thought about a lot now that I've taken more stock into my mental and into my perspective and how I look at things. Hopped right into professional wrestling. That's where the name Jackson Stone comes from. Uh, so before that, you know, my real name is Aaron, but I go by Jackson or Aaron, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Either one is great. We'll go Jackson here today. Um, and then so I've been wrestling. Jackson. How did I come I up with Jackson? Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the show Sons of Anarchy? Yep. Yeah. So the main character in there was Jax Teller. He spelled okay. his name like J-A-X. I thought he was super cool. Um, yeah. and so I just That's used awesome. Jackson. That's great. <laughs> and then the rock was my favorite wrestler. Uh, and in college, my teammates called me the pebble. Uh, <laughs> but that, <laughs> but that didn't, uh, that didn't sound very intimidating. <laughs> so, uh, I changed it to stone and became Jackson stone. That's awesome. That's cool. Sorry. I interrupted you. I told you I wouldn't do that. And here we are right at the beginning. Interrupted. Go ahead. No, it's all good. You can, it's your show, man. You can interject whenever you want. If you got a thought, oh, you got a comment, got a concern, oh, that's you want a, further a, detail. I'm all in. That's a, a dangerous permission, but, um, all right, continue. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So then I, uh, had my very first professional wrestling match, uh, in 2015. Um, 
September in 2015. So I've been wrestling about six years now. Um, and then three years after that, um, in 2018, um, my life kind of, uh, took a very, um, I'm not, I never know what words to describe this because it, it, in one sense, it's extremely painful and sad. Um, and on another sense, uh, it's led me to places I never thought possible. So on one hand, there's some gratitude with it on, on another hand, there's some really deep sadness with it too. Um, and I'm sure we'll go more into detail about that as well, but, um, on September 3rd, 2018, um, my sister, uh, took her own life. So she died of, died of suicide. I'm sorry. And thank you. Yeah. Her anniversary was, was, was about a week ago as we record this, which is September 9th. I'm not sure when the episode comes out, but yeah, it was almost six days ago. And so, wow. Um, I miss her, I miss her deeply. Um, and I, I, but I feel her, um, guiding me, um, mm. every day. And so I think when something like that happens in your life, uh, traumatic, experience. Um, and, and one thing to point out about trauma is that it's different for everyone, right? Something that I feel is traumatic. You could feel like didn't even phase you. And so trauma is about validating our own experience before thinking that there needs to be this like threshold or this like hierarchy of pain that we have to reach before it becomes important, right? No matter what you're going through, um, no matter what your environment, cultural, societal things have told you or uh, placed you in, your pain is real because you feel it and because it's a part of you, not because uh, there's like this threshold you have to reach for your pain to be manageable or for you to reach a crisis, then for you to get help, right? It's always important to ask for help. And I've learned a lot of those things over the last three years. Um, but touching on what I just said, you know, so going through something like that, um, a painful experience, you really just, reevaluate uh every single thing in your entire life like you think about are these relationships important and what am i doing is important am i really happy how can i live life to the fullest every day after losing someone i love so much after losing a best friend and a big sister you know and so those kind of thoughts start to come into play they came into play immediately for me um you know instead of you know, I went down this kind of dark spiral of, of grieving and anger and pain and sadness. Like, what am I going to do? And then you start to somehow, you know, the universe, higher power, faith leads you to some sort of direction. And it leads you to maybe these resources, support groups, all these things that I have found over the last three years to essentially save my life, including professional wrestling and the community that I have there. And then over the last three years, I've, uh, I've created a, a mental health nonprofit called You Are Loved. Um, I've gotten back into baseball after realizing how much resentment and bitterness I had towards the sport after not achieving what I thought I would have achieved, but really I achieved exactly what I needed to achieve in where the direction of my life was going. Um, I've become a mental performance coach. I've opened up clothing brands. I have two podcasts. So um, things you know, uh, for the most part, you know, are, are really good. And, um, I think that's a testament to just a commitment to oneself, right? Your, your podcast a lot is about turning pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the biggest motivator for change is pain, but 
everyone is in pain or everyone is going through pain or everyone has struggled in their life. Um, and it's making that choice to do something with that pain and making a choice to be a little bit more uncomfortable um, and taking away that bit of unhappiness that you have and replacing it for uncomfortability and deciding to go down this like path that could lead you in any which direction. Um, because life is, life is really messy, man. And it'll punch you in the face. It'll knock you down. Um, but there are a lot of tools and skills and resources in place, um, to have openness, to have vulnerability, to experience these things in a safe environment, and then to overcome them and grow from them and, and, and be more because of it. You don't have to do more. No, we've, we've, we've glamorized the work ethic and the hard work and all this stuff in our culture. Uh, instead of doing more, you can become more, become more graceful for yourself and leave more room for yourself and, and uh, be of service to others. And all these things that are so paramount, like a fulfilling life or a happy life, whatever word yeah. you wanted to use to describe it, whatever means the most to you. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what I feel in a nutshell. Wow. Um, you said a couple things there. I wish I would have written it down because I'm not going to. Okay. So that last thing of uh, not doing more, but becoming more, that is such a pressing man in my life. That's something that I need to work on. Uh, this constant need to achieve. Are you an Enneagram guy? Uh, I have done it once. I think that was, I don't remember what I was. Okay. I'm a three, which essentially. Well, I was an eight. I was an eight. You're an eight. So you're, you, uh, my wife is an eight and I joke because eights like conflict. And so I am like, it makes sense. You're an eight. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't make her happy. Um, but I'm a three, which is achieving. And uh, I put a lot of my worth in achieving. And in the world that we live today, it's like, oh, do this. You have to do more. You have to do this. Uh, and I love that you said like you can, but like, what if it was like to become more graceful? Or like, what if it was like to be more kind? Um, like, what if those were goals that you reached for instead of making more money or more influence on social media or uh, a bigger house? <laughs> um, dang, that's cool. And then you said something else. Um, you talked about you, you like it. Oh, my dog is going psycho upstairs. I don't know if you can hear it, but um, but I, I, you said something about getting back into baseball because you realized that you had resentment towards it for not doing, not achieving what you should have, um, or doing what you should have with it. And dude, I felt that so hard. I still do with football. Like I, um, on my social media, on my Instagram, I like to draw. Um, and I drew something the other day that talked about like the should haves, um, and the could haves and, um, the idea that like, Oh, I should have done this and I could have done this. And, um, I was given this athletic ability and look at, look at this person that, um, was not recruited as heavily as you. And they're in the NFL, like, <laughs> and what, what about you? Um, and I have resentment towards that, but the fact that you were able to like, what you did, what you said was, um, I did what I think, tell me if I'm wrong. You did what you need, you accomplished what you needed to accomplish through that. And because of that, you are where you are today. Um, and that idea of like, you filled enough 
like you filled enough of what like someone yesterday that I was talking to was like, Hey, uh, maybe you haven't, maybe you aren't doing all that you can be doing, but you are doing all that you should be doing. Like Mm. you are like, maybe you're not operating at a hundred percent capacity and firing on all pistons and like running yourself into the ground but are you healthy? Are you happy? And are you doing what you feel like you should be doing mm-hmm. or like what you're being asked to do? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, um, so I love what you said. Um, I'm sorry to, I didn't, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. I, I, we talked last week and I didn't say anything and I apologize. I didn't know. Um, okay. so I apologize. Um, yeah, I I love what you're doing. Um, what is your favorite thing um, through your not? What have you learned the most um, in the last couple of years running a nonprofit, uh, doing the work that you're doing that's n- not necessarily because I think I mean I would imagine in your world uh, you are on a stage or on a, in a ring, you're front and center um everyone's watching you in baseball you're getting all the attention um as a baseball stud you're a d1 baseball player but now and maybe now but when you first started i know that starting i'm experiencing it starting this kind of stuff is not glamorous it kind of feels like you're doing all the dirty work and not seeing any kind of um repercussions from it i would be the wrong word or any kind of like fruit from it um Mm. What is, what is something that you, what's the hardest thing that has been the last three years and the most rewarding thing and the same? Um, I think all of the, the answers are both like it's combined both of the same. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, cause when you start something, anything you're, you're in the trenches. Right. And that's where, yeah. you know, that's where the magic happens. You know, about being in the trenches. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, you, you have like these ideas and you just don't know if they're going to work. And then, and then you kind of talk yourself out of it when really you should just jump, you should just leap and try it. Um, because, you know, after I lost my sister, I, I needed support. I needed help uh, deeply. Uh, and so I found support groups. I myself have been going to uh, a suicide suicide loss survivor support group every week for the last three years. Wow. Uh, and having just people who relate to me, who know what I'm feeling, who are longer on their journey than I am, that kind of, uh, understanding, um, makes me feel less alone in my battle, even though, uh, numbers are extremely high, you know, 500,000 people a year in the United States are, are ending their own lives. So, the, the group is not small of suicide loss survivors, but you feel like that when it's that heavy. And so for me, it was coming up with something that I can sink my teeth into that will help me, that will maybe help one person or one family feel less alone in their struggle, or maybe they will reach out to their daughter or child or son in the depths of their despair and bring them back and see the light at the end of the tunnel through the words, through the merchandise, through the videos, through anything that came across their feed 
Um, and that's how you are love started. It started as just a t-shirt to, you know, remember my sister. I, I put her initials on the back. Um, and, uh, I was giving it to the American foundation for suicide prevention. And that led to weekly videos, um, of people sharing their stories and normalizing the conversation around mental health and people struggling and having depression and anxiety and OCD and bipolar disorder and, and still overcoming these struggles daily and living fulfilled, meaningful, passionate lives. Um, and so through that, I, I started the nonprofit. Uh, it was actually exactly one year ago today that it officially became a nonprofit. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting how so many things have happened in September, you know, uh, yeah. There's a lot of mixed feelings there, of sadness and joy and, uh, you know, all this stuff. So I, another point to make is that when dealing with life, the, the intersection of emotions is possible. You can feel more than one thing at once. I can be happy and mm. sad. That doesn't make me weird or quote unquote crazy. Uh, it just makes me a normal person experiencing real things because I'm feeling multiple things at once. I'm allowed to have multiple feelings and they can mutually exist. Uh, and so for me, I'm, I, it's exactly how I feel. Um, and so through that nonprofit, right, we specialize in, in support groups because that's what saved my life. And so maybe that same type of help can be there for others. Um, and then if you're, if you're not inclined to be part of the support group or that doesn't work for you or that kind of method of treatment isn't best for you, um, then we have another portion where we'll sponsor your treatment uh, via telehelp or with your insurance to see an in-person counselor or therapist. So those are the, the main focuses um, uh, for us for now. And, um, you know, we, we fundraise through merchandising sales and we have our first charity event uh, early in 2022, but just, cool. uh, just starting to answer your question. I wanted to have some backstory of it, but to yeah. answer your question, all of it has been extremely rewarding and all of it has been, extremely challenging um because like when you're trying to do anything great uh it's not about uh how many people tell you that you're doing great but it is about how many people that you can reach um and there are numbers to see how many people you do reach unfortunately that's part of the social media uh dichotomy yeah. um and so you always feel like you're doing enough but then you're not reaching as many people as you could but then you backtrack a little and you think well, the people I am reaching are really benefiting from this. So isn't that more important to fully impact four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 families than like slightly impact a hundred families. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of having that bridge between those two thoughts has been very challenging um, and trying to expand and reach a larger audience and, and find fundraising and donations and asking people for money is, is very challenging as well um, in yeah. a nonprofit or charitable philanthropic space, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it keeps me passionate and it wakes me up in the morning and it makes me feel like I'm doing something that has real value. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's important because a lot of people talk about having a purpose or finding a reason. Um, and that's really hard to find that. Um, and so if you're listening to this podcast and you feel like you don't have a purpose in your life, um, well, there's, I mean, there's some technical things that you can do and mechanical things that you can do to actually try to navigate through that and find your purpose. Um, but it really bases into having experiences. So, um, yeah, we can, we can, I can talk more about actually those tools to use if you want, but, um, that's the answer to your question. Yeah. I would love to actually, while, while we're on this topic, I, a, um, 
do you have a so because i know that you're in dallas um but if there was somebody in denver if there was somebody in uh who or let's say someone in minnesota who needs a a support group do you have a support group that is virtual that is long distance or um do you have somewhere that they could go um as far as like what would you like how did you start the search um because there's a lot of people i feel like who are like oh i need a support group but i don't even know where to start and that is intimidating and because it's intimidating i just won't do it um i'd rather just not um that's kept me out of counseling for a long time because i was like i i want a, a male christian counselor um and I couldn't find one. So I just didn't go. Mm. <laughs> I just, I was like, that's, I'll just deal with it in other ways. So do you have uh, that? I don't have to restate it. You, uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So all the support groups are virtual. Okay. Um, so there, we have, we currently have five right now. Um, and there's a maximum of 12 people uh, per support group to keep it intimate. Okay. Um, and so we're at max capacity right now because, you know, finding therapists that want to do an extra on top of their already heavy workload yeah. um, is can be challenging. Um, it's one of the challenges that I have in terms of finding a, a qualified mental health professional to run support groups outside of their private practice or clientele yeah. that they already see regularly. Um, because it's important not only to, to advocate for mental health, right, but we have to advocate for the people who implement that care, that treatment, that help, because their workload is immense as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, all of the support groups are virtual. And then in terms of if we can't get you into a support group, um, the there's numerous other websites that provide telehealth. Um, and you can be very specific on who you're looking for. Um, and there's uh, websites and, um, to find specific therapists in your area that do uh, work with possibly your insurance or a copay. Um, or things of that nature. Awesome. So um, wherever you are, there's help available. Um, and, and we, I personally can help you find that if, if that's what you need. Yeah. And, and if not, Jackson, I, I will, um, I'll get off of this when we do and we'll, I'll have him send me some uh, links that he would recommend. And I'll throw those in the show notes too, uh, just so that you can have those resources. Um resources. Uh, what about, I, I would love just not super deep dive, but, um, some of those tools that you use, um, or that you, that had maybe that you use, but that you had alluded to, um, as far as like finding your purpose, like, um, because that is something where I think that that's, that it can push to, I mean, there are a lot of there, it can push to self-harm, um, but I think that there are levels at a more surface, at a less um, intense. I think a lot of people feel that um, maybe not to the extent of I'm going to take my life, but um, it, it causes depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause um, I felt purposeless for I mean, shoot, when I was unemployed for six months and everyone that I knew worked in a church and um, everyone else was doing this like cause for Christ type of thing. And I am unemployed and sitting at home. Um, what's my purpose. And so uh, I would love to hear some of those um, tools uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so off the top, right. Um, everyone is here for a reason. Um, and that reason simply is to exist just as you are. So there's no, you don't have to be extra. There's nothing you have to do. You just are here. You are enough. You exist in the world. That's your reason. Now, if you're looking to go a little bit deeper into that, um, and find something, um, that can, you can really sink your teeth into because everyone has these unique innate gifts that they're a little bit better, maybe one, just one gift that they're a little bit better than someone else at. and better is a relative term, but it just happens to be a part of you. Um, and you just have to find it. It's already in you. You just have to find it. And there's a few things that you can do. And I think the first step, right. Is to start with being really curious. Uh, curiosity leans to a lot of different things. So if you have a sheet of paper, get out a sheet of paper, get out a pen, pencil, and write down 20 things, 20 things that you're curious about. Turtles, hunting, uh, sculpture, uh, coffee, anything. Just literally can be anything. Write them all down. 20 things. Maybe you're really curious about climate change. Maybe you're really curious about the environment uh, or how to make hats or merchandising. <laughs> like whatever, right? You have yeah. something that you're curious about. You really do. that. You it, it keeps popping up in your mind. Every time you look at the TV that one thing jumps out at you like, oh, that's super cool. Write it down, all of them, 20 things, boom. And then go through all those 20 things and find a few of those things that you're curious about that overlap. Like, oh, making hats and merchandising, those overlap, what does that mean? Oh, hunting and climate change in the environment. Oh, those things kind of overlap. I'm just spitballing here. Maybe none of these things make sense, but where are the things that you're curious about? Where do they overlap? Where's the intersection? So take those out and put them to the corner, put those in like little bundles. Okay. All those things that overlap of the things that you're curious about. Now, all those things that you're curious about that overlap, go on the internet, search events, books, podcasts, lectures, uh, retreats, anything that has to do with that topic. And you will spend every weekend for the next four to six weekends. So Saturday and Sunday, when you're not working at your regular job, exploring those things every Friday and Saturday for the next month, actually going out and doing the lecture, reading the book, taking the podcast, right? In your financial, whatever's in your financial that you can do. There's so many free things yeah. on YouTube, going to the park, whatever it is that those things you're curious about that you found on the internet, you will do them for the next however many things, maybe it's four to eight weeks, every Saturday and Sunday, unless you're busy, you already have plans, whatever. You get what I'm saying though? Mm -hmm. You plan those into your schedule. And then at the end of those eight weeks, whenever you've done all of these things, write down at the end of each event what happened and then go back and see which ones really got you going, which ones really just in your gut made you feel like, ooh, this is special. Like, I feel butterflies here, you know, and then it's going to be like probably two or three of those things and then put those two or three things to the side and all of those things in one create what might be your purpose. And a purpose is not just, I like baseball. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is something that's service-driven, something that um, is bigger than yourself and something that's long-term. So out of those things that you're curious about, you went on experiences to things that you were curious about. Through those experiences, you wrote down yes and no's, goods and bads, likes and dislikes about those ex actual experiences. And then through that, you had an overlap of about two, three, four things 
that really got your rocks off. And then you explore those things a little bit deeper. And in those things is your purpose, is your passion, is things that make you fulfilled. And then you explore those deeply. And then hopefully that becomes your passion and purpose. And that becomes profitable. And that becomes your job. And that becomes your life. Hmm. Um, So that's like a very small window into how you can find what might be something that you're purposeful or passionate about. Um, Yeah. That's sweet. No, that's awesome. I, I love the idea of just like, cause there's a lot of things that I'm curious about that. I leave it at that. I leave it at curious. And like I, right now I'm, I'm, I am uh, deep into this passion project of uh, normalizing men talking. Uh, and so that's what I'm allowing to, but there are things outside of that that I'm like, yeah, that's actually really bowling. I love to bowl. Me too. <laughs> I, Super fun. Yeah. Bowling is a great sport. And everyone's like, it's like, I always suggest it. All my friends are like, eh, and I'm like, dude, in college. So uh, we had, um, I don't know if they did this at, at your school, but it was like all of the, all of the different teams would meet in the uh, Moby arena and, and fans, they'd have their own tables. And then the fans would be able to come through and meet the players and meet the, the volleyball team and meet the whatever. And the volleyball team was handling, handing out free bowling games and our table was next to theirs. And at the end of the night, they had a stack. I'm not kidding. Like I, like I could not have gone through them in the, and they're like, here, just take them. I used to put my beat. I'm an introvert. I used to put my beats on and go to the bowling alley by myself for like three or four hours and just bowl nonstop by myself. Um, a little peek into the sadness that was my college life. Um, uh, but, uh, dude, that, I love that, that tool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, dang. Uh, so, so with your, your foundation that you've started, the the nonprofit, not a foundation, it's a nonprofit. Um, what has been, so what has been, I guess, the, what's one thing that stuck out to you throughout the last couple of years? I know that I asked like, okay, what, what was the hardest? What was it? But like, if you could say, well, this has been one highlight, what would that be? one singular event or one singular, it could be one text message. Um, I, I just think that the universe, God, faith, whatever you want to call it, whatever language you use sends you exactly what you need in the right time. If you're, if you're open to that and it's always when I'm, I'm, I'm feeling down. You know, I feel like I haven't reached anyone. None of my words are resonating my story, uh, whatever it may be, right. Just this natural feeling of, of not being enough or not being worthy, which we all feel. Um, Cause we're all just trying to figure it out. Like no one has it figured out. I don't care what social media tells you uh, or what someone's Instagram tells you. They have, don't have it figured out um, just like you, just like me just like Mitch, right? And we're, sometimes we just don't feel like we're enough, even though we always are, no matter what we do. Um, but it's always when I'm feeling just like that, that I get just the right message at the right time or a phone call uh, or something goes through that I've been working on. Um, and it's always just that one little sign that you need to keep going. Um, and I and I keep that in the back of my mind. Um, 
when I post on social media. That's how I, I maintain this like relationship with social media. That's important to me mm-hmm. that no matter what happens on it, no matter who likes it, who views it, how many people follow, whatever. I know that the same way a text message or a phone call or an email has changed and saved the tra- trajectory of my life or my day, the same way it could happen with a post, a tweet, a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, the most important thing to me. And that's what I've seen time and time again, um, that there's got to be some trust and surrender in this divine timing of things that happen in life. Uh, And if we just kind of let go of the things we can't control and are open to love uh, and to things of that nature, then we will see the things that we want in our life to happen. I I think. Yeah, no, thank you. I agree. That is something that is, I think so often, and maybe this is just me, um, but I think that we judge comparison sucks. Like you judge the influence that you have based on the response that you get. Um, and so like, it sucks that like, like, I love what you're saying. So like the fact that one person could view your post and see it as, uh, like that text message that lights up their day. Um, all it takes is one. And like, that is truly the mission behind this podcast um, is that if one person listens to it, then I believe that that one person was the one person that needed to hear it. Um, but like for people who aren't doing podcasts, who aren't big on social media, like I feel like it's like, Oh, if you're not speaking on stages or if you don't have this job, if you like, I can't, you can't change. You're a, I sell gloves <laughs> for a living. My job is to sell gloves. I'm a glove salesman. Um, like it would be so easy for me to be like, Oh, no one really wants to listen to me. Cause I'm, I sell gloves. Like I imagine that there's people out there who are car salesmen or like, uh, insurance or like any kind of sales job where it's just kind of like a blah, like you downplay the importance that one of your words could, could have. Um, and which then ties it right back around to this, like talking thing. Like all it takes is like having one conversation with somebody and one piece of encouragement that could completely change the trajectory of somebody's life. Right. And I think that that's, I think that's sweet. I, um, man, thank you. I mean, that's the, that's the basis of it. It's like how like sorry, i'm taking notes i'm I'm not i'm not being rude i promise i'm sorry no it's all good um it's like so all related to the what's happening this month right september is suicide prevention awareness month yeah okay which is the the main reason behind suicide prevention awareness month is to share immense amounts of education, resource, tools, and awareness about how prevalent suicide is in the world today. But suicide prevention is a 12-month, every year, 365-day deal that we can all take part in. And so what's important is not that people throughout the month are tweeting out um, very nice tweets about reaching out on their friends or checking in on people or posting the suicide prevention hotline, those things are very helpful, right? Very helpful. Yeah. But what's even more helpful is 
going about it in your everyday life and being about what you tweet, right? If you tweet mm-hmm. the, the lifeline, if you tweet, check in on your loved ones, and then you go and you're very rude and mean to the people in your life or to a waiter or to a, uh, anyone who works in the service industry, then you're performing. And so what's really important is going about in your everyday life and being about it. And because the most important things that happen in our life do not happen on social media. They happen in the present moment with small interactions, with small kind gestures that we don't even know about. You holding the door open for someone and smiling at them could literally save their life. And that's what it's about. And you're not going to get any recognition or that. No one's going to post a video about it on Twitter and it's not going to go viral. It just happens because that's what is important. That's where the real life-saving actions happen. Hmm. Of course, talking about suicide prevention, there's many factors, right? There's environmental, there's societal, there's cultural factors, there's accessibility, there's affordability. And these are deep down in the root causes of how we need to change, how we talk about mental health in our culture. Um, But as an everyday person, someone who doesn't work in that field, someone who can't change the laws or the structures or things that happen to create mental health inadequacy uh, in terms of care and treatment, um, you as a person who is not involved in that field, just as a regular person every day who has mental health, who thinks, feels, and acts, has rejection, heartbreak, failure, setbacks, all these things that the beautiful human experience has to offer, that is how you can do suicide prevention in everyday Mm -hmm. life is just small, simple, kind gestures. And I want to put quotation marks behind the small and simple because they're not small or simple. They're large and impactful, but they seem so small and so simple because saying thank you or helping someone off the floor, they drop their groceries on the, on the ground. We're just helping them put them back in the bag and sending them on their way. Like all these little things, like just, saying you're getting your Starbucks and you pay for the person behind you just because you want to like, like these are the things that we do in our everyday life that actually have a larger domino scale. And so, and you think that you're just this one person alone in this world, but every action you have has a domino effect and a ripple effect and a downstream effect on the way, on the way that the world, you know, reacts. And so you're not ever actually alone, even though sometimes we do feel like that. Um, And I think that's what's like, that's the golden nugget for me. At least that's what Mm -hmm. I've found to be true um, over the last few years. Dude, I love that so much. I love that so much. I love, um, I call it God math. Like for you, like one person, like one person that you hold the door for. Okay. Let's say you like, you might not be this influential social media influencer, whatever, but like you hold the door for one person, that person, then they, their life changes. And that person then goes on and changes the lives of 10 people. And then it's, it's like exponential. It truly is like, cause then those 10 people dude, nice hair. Also, he's got a mullet. You guys can't see. He's got a (laughs) mullet that is to die for. Um, goodness. Um, but, uh, no, I, I really do believe that like you change, like, and also it's like, it kind of, it's, it's, it's sobering and humbling in the same breath to be like, for me to say, oh, but I'm only changing the life of one person. Mm-hmm. But if I was to sit across from you and be like, I have the choice to, to save your life or not. And I'm like, but it's only one person. 
I'm saving your life. That's like that, that if I could say that I saved one person's life in my whole life, yeah. that's, that's, that's enough. Right. But like, mm-hmm. I, I am so, and this is like, just very truthful. I'm like, like, uh, I want to save more than one life. You know what I mean? Like I want, but, but I, but now that I'm like saying it and processing, I'm like, I would love to just say one. Um, I had, and do you know what's even crazy? Um, this is even, let's take it one step further. I had a friend, her name is Bridget. Um, Bridget challenged me. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to sit around the fire pit. Um, and the three of us, my Bridget is my wife's best friend. Um, the three of us were sitting around our fire pit and we were talking about this. This was before I started the podcast. This is when I was just drawing and putting things out on social media um, and like being kind of like real about mental health uh, in my life through art. Uh, and we were talking about the idea of this podcast, the idea of my book that I'm writing, the idea, different things. And, and I, I was getting frustrated around this topic. I was like, I just don't know what to do about it. And she goes, Mitch, like, what if God was bringing you through all of these things so that you could be healed? Like, are you enough? And I was like, oh, (laughs) I don't know if like, like Jackson, like, what if like, like, what if the last four years, five years, six years have been truly just for your healing? And like everything else was just a, a bonus. And I, and that's basically how she phrased it to me. She goes like, what if you walk out of this healed on the other end from all of the trauma that you've experienced and everyone else that you've rubbed off on is a bonus. And I was like, I don't, my answer was honestly like, no, (laughs) nope. I'm not like, and that's what I had to work. I've had to work on it for myself. I was like, I, um, I'm not enough for that. That's not worth it. I'm not worth that. And so for for me, like that has to be the first thing that we, we're kind of going down a little rabbit hole, but like that has to kind of be the first thing that you address. Um, If this is some, like, if you're working on, like, you have to believe that what you have to say to somebody is, is valuable to -hmm. even be willing to say it. Um. And that's yeah, like, I mean, it's it's about like uh, you know, a private. Pri- it's got private victory precedes public victory, right? You have to master yeah. oneself before you can master the craft, and then move on into like a public space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are like really, I don't know. Those are different terms to basically just say that you have to, you know, find love and worth in yourself before. Um, you can try to be that beacon of light and hope for other people. But the, also in that same vein, it's like during that journey, during that healing process, if you're very public and public doesn't have to mean on social media, public can mean with your friends and your family, like that vulnerability aspect is public with the people in your life. If you're public with that or you're vulnerable with that through your healing journey, I think that also has a lot of power um, to give people permission to also keep going in their journey. So we don't have to be like, we don't have to be like at, again, at this threshold or at this like perfect person, I'm perfectly healed. I'm wonderful. I'm good all the time. I never lose confidence. I never lose self-esteem. I've got it all. That's not true. No one has that. Right. But if you, if you just start and you, and you make that journey, 
uh, into, you know, bridging from self-hate into self-love, which is a long journey, which is a long bridge to cross. And you share that vulnerability with people in your life or possibly social media if you feel up for it. Then, as I said, it gives permission for people to keep going and for them to start on their journey. Um, and so those are also really powerful stories. That's why podcasts like these are so important, right? We're not famous dudes. We're not monks, right? Okay. We're not, you know, whatever. We're just a couple guys who've gone through some shit. Yeah. Just like everyone else has, right? In yeah. their own way, form, or fashion. And now we want to talk about it and we want to share it so that we can help more people and resonate with people about the same story and be on the same journey and then do a men's retreat and have, you know, play football in the snow or something. Yeah. Let's do, let's put that, let's figure that out. We're speaking that into existence. I, um, I, and the thing is, is like you said, we're two dudes going through some shit and like that the verb tense is going through, not what we've went through, but we also are going through, like, I'm not through it. Jackson's not through it. Like that doesn't disqualify us from speaking about it. Uh, And like, I think the thing that you said about mastering self before going, like my wife is a lot wiser than me. She's smarter and just a better human in general than me. But when I started all this, she was like, Hey, you can't, she goes, you can't go out and be asking men and challenging men to go to counseling. If you're not doing it first. Like mm-hmm. if you're not, she goes, you, you can't put the cart in front of the horse. So like before mm-hmm. I even started doing this, I, I went to s- six months worth of counseling to like, I still do go to counseling, but like before I even I was like, Hey, you should go to counseling. It's really helpful. I needed to be able to say, I actually have gone to counseling and it is helpful. You know right. what I mean? Like, um, which really really awkward segue trans transition uh but like have did you did you go do you you went to support groups but have you been to counseling did you go to counseling for your sister Mm -mm, just the support groups which is i mean led by a counselor but it's just with a group of it's just with a group of uh eight or nine other people so that was my form okay which there are many ways to seek out counseling there isn't a one size fits all there's um if you guys watch ted lasso he he sits in the counseling office in season two and it's kind of funny have you seen the one where he's like trying to lay down and then he's like Mm -hmm. sitting up and maybe counseling isn't for you but i know that counsel is for everybody well there's a i mean yeah i mean the the specific name you use doesn't like there's so many qualified professionals to give you the tools, the resources, the support, and the guidance that you possibly could need for your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just finding the right fit. Um, and so whether it's uh, a support group, a therapist, a counselor, a social worker, a psychologist, uh, you know, a psychiatrist, whether it's a life coach, whether it's uh, a mental performance coach, what it, it doesn't matter the name, you know, they just have to yeah. be a right fit for you. Um, and give you the space, the empathy, the understanding, and some of the tools to, to find it within yourself, right? They're not telling you what you should do. They're giving you things to unlock what's already inside of you that you kind of need to uncover uh, and unpack and stop avoiding and then Mm. release it and work through it a little bit more. Yeah. Dang. I, okay. Do you like to read? Are you, are you, are you, are you a fantasy reader? No, I, I, uh, not really. I only read like, uh, <laughs> like, 
uh, the books that self, about self help stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share something that I am a nerd like through and through, like read books about dragons and elves and dwarf like nerd. Okay, so like Aragon is a book that I love, and there is an analogy. It was it's crazy how you can read something and that's a fantasy book and get something from it, but the most valuable in this whole book, the most, there's just like, (laughs) there's like this, there's this mushroom that is the most valuable mushroom in the, it has in the whole, like it, it can heal. It does all this stuff, right? The only place that it is found is in a pile, like in piles of poop. So like in these dwarves, they live in a mountain and they have this pot, they pile all their poop and the most valuable thing in the entire book is found in their piles of poop. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, sometimes you literally have to like sift through the shit to get to like the valuable things. And like, sometimes you need people because nobody knew that that's where they were at except for the people that knew. So like the people that were, that were like, does that make sense? Like it was not like a common known thing that this is where these mushrooms were. It was the dwarves had to tell them. And like, you have to have somebody tell you that like, sometimes you got to sift through stuff to, to get to the valuable things. And all that to say that was very much a rabbit trail and I'm sorry, but it made me think about it. And I had, I had to share it. Um, I'm reading as, as, as we're talking, I'm saying like my thing says bibliophile, which means I am a lover of books. Um, my water bottle says bibliophile on it. Honestly, it's kind of like a, uh, a humble brag. People see it. They're like, Oh, he reads. And I'm like, yeah, I freaking read. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Um, dude, I, I, I have a question and if you're not comfortable asking it, but like what you said that there were a lot of hard things and a lot of good things that came from the loss of your sister. Um, Would you mind revisiting that? Um, And if that's something that's, that's not a touchable topic, then I completely understand. Um, But um, yeah, is that could you touch on the the good and the bad that came from that? I mean, I know that the bad is pretty obvious, but yeah, I, I absolutely, I can for sure. Um, Hold on. You're yeah. I mean the bad, the bad is sister, a best friend. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me, but you froze. Yeah. You froze too. Now are we back? There you go. I think so. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, the obvious bad is, is, is losing someone that you love deeply. Um, and then uh, I think another thing that's was really, and still is very, very, very hard is, um, is watching my parents navigate the world and being alive still while having to bury a child um, is, uh, you know, they're never, it's not something you just like get over and move on with. Right. They're, they're going to live with that every day, every hour of every day for the rest of their lives. And that's just, a you know, it's a lot for me. It's a lot of pressure to be there for them and try to make them happy and all of these things. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot, that's a very heavy burden. Um, and I take that with a lot of responsibility, maybe, maybe too much at times it kind of can overwhelm me and, and, 
and make me very emotionally drained. Um, but that's, that's very hard to watch them just be in constant pain. Um, even though they still have a son alive, it's hard to, for them to see that um, without seeing that they lost someone else, uh, another child. Yeah. So those things are, those things are the hardest things. Um, you know, family events uh, are really hard um, because my sister was very energetic and outgoing and she loved being with our family. And so when we go to weddings or bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs or family gatherings or whatever have you, um, and I expect her to be sitting next to me um, and, and she's not. And so those become, again, I talked about, you know, mutual feelings existing at the same time. And that's when it happens, like being very happy to be with my family, especially after the long COVID haul when I didn't see any of them for a long time. And I just saw them in New Jersey uh, about four weeks ago. And then at the same time, you know, wondering why my sister, you know, can't be here. Right. And so those things uh, are challenging, very challenging. Um, but the good that's come from it is, uh, is all of this stuff that, that I, that I've created. You know, I, I, I never thought in my, in, in my life that I would think and feel uh, like how I do now with this kind of lens, with this kind of perspective, with this kind of love in my heart. Um, I have a lot of gratitude for the things that I do have um, because you never know when things are going to be taken away from you in an instant. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I help people like uh, on a regular basis, you know, with all the stuff that I do and that's very fulfilling and, and, and all that. And I get to work for myself, which is amazing. So I get to travel a lot and experience new cultures and places and food and all of those things. Um, and uh, yeah. And so I, I just, in, in all senses of the word, I never thought I would be in the position that I'm in now. I never thought that I would be living my life without my sister, but I never thought that also that I'd be living the life that I'm currently living, which in and of itself is fucking amazing. Um, and so there's so much there. And so I just think that like, you know, what I've actually learned is that to really live an actual human experience is just to be so open and willing to experience all of it, the good, the bad, the in-betweens, right? If you're deeply struggling right now, if you're deeply struggling, you're listening to this and, and things are not well, you're, you're in very dark thoughts in your own mind. Um, maybe your car broke down, or your heart was broken, or things just aren't good. You're, you're hungry. You can't find food. I don't know what, there's so many different struggles that people go through that most of us have no idea about. Um, I promise to you, I promise it can get better. I promise it will get better. Um, you have to make that fundamental choice and commitment to yourself but through that, it can get better. Hmm. Um, I don't think things happen on, uh, you know, on accident. Um, I think it takes time and effort and patience to realize why things happen for a reason. And that goes back to committing to yourself um, and committing to see the light at the end of the tunnel, no matter where it goes or how hard it gets, um, because your life is, is worth living. Um, hmm. And I believe truly in my heart that the world is, a better place um, with everyone in it, with you in it, with me in it, with Mitch in it. Um, and with us moving forward, you know, 
even in our pain and our sadness and our grieving with our loved ones attached to us in our hearts and our souls, um, we move forward each day. So that's what I believe. I believe so as well. Um, and I, I want to just almost leave it at that. Like I, um, if you are somebody who's listening to this, uh, reach out to somebody and whether that be someone in your life. Um, but there's also a lot of shame that comes with those feelings, which, um, I, I don't mean to, to talk down. The shame is un, un, is, uh, wrong. <laughs> you should not feel shame for feeling those things. You, it's human. You're human. And so if someone tries to shame you for feeling that way, um, they are wrong. Um, but I do understand that there is shame. And so if you don't want to talk to somebody in your life about it, uh, there are p- resources, shoot, shoot me a message, shoot Jackson a message. Um, I can't promise that we, cause we're not counselors. <laughs> we're not equipped to, handle some of those things, but I know that I can love people and so can Jackson. And so, um, we can get you to the right place. And so if you don't want to talk to someone that you know, because you're embarrassed about these thoughts, um, you don't know me and you don't know Jackson. So reach out and we will, (laughs) we will be a hand. Um, and, and with that, Jackson, I just want to say thank you for imparting so much wisdom, uh, for sharing your heart, for, sharing your experience, um, for putting up with my stories about elf poop. Um, <laughs> um, that was great. I, it was, it, it was there and it happened. And if you know me personally, you're not even a little bit surprised that I talked about it. Um, but for all those people who, who maybe, um, are in your sphere of people, just understand that I am a loser and I am a nerd. Um, and I am proud of it. Uh, I will not shy away. Um, but, uh, with that, I'm going to, uh, Jackson, thank you. Uh, do you have any last thoughts? Um, no, I think I, uh, I think I shared, uh, what I wanted to share. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate this. Love what you're doing with the pod. Happy to be episode number 10. Um, Bring me, bring me back when we get to episode number one hundred, and it'll be, it'll be real special. Uh, deal. I'll put you, I'll, I'll, I'll put you on. I'm, I'm planning on doing one a week, so I don't know if you, if you still want to be friends with me in two years. Um, actually, would be maybe ninety weeks. Yeah, about two years. Um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe by then, this teach we're gonna be designing clothes together and running conferences or men's retreats. Um, but. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but all the above, that, all the above, all the Absolutely. all the above. We're speaking it. I'm gonna jump off of a top rope and six one nine. You, you didn't even mention. <laughs> you didn't even mention the best wrestler, the Undertaker, and so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a little bit offended. And, and with and with that note, um, we will see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoveradrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then we send it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. 
You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Overdrink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace. Thank you.